Thanksgiving night. It's around 9.30 p.m. It's a little special one we're doing right now. Just spur of the moment deal. This is the Bushels and Barrels program. I am Ryan Peter. Bushels and Barrels on TikTok and Twitter is where you can find me as usual. I am joined by my partner in freedom. Say hello, Jessica. Hello, Jessica. Man, they've missed you. <laughs> you know, I, did, I don't know. I did the D.B. Cooper one. Yeah. And uh, the comments on Facebook. Well, it's just not going to be the same without her. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta be here, okay? Well, you know, I you just kind of threw that one out there, and I haven't even listened to it yet. But I, but you just threw it out there, and I didn't even know you were doing it. So oh, you haven't it? listened to it yet? No. What I, what I, and when I talked to my sister about it, Ashley, she said people probably think you're having a domestic at home. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> that guess, could be because it got a little heated last time. <laughs> no, no, no. Did Ashley listen to it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Did so. she like it? Oh yeah. 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 It's just good, I, and I've got good reviews about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was. I thought it was. It was all right. It was mm-hmm. fun to do, and it's a story that I'm just infatuated with. You've been talking with. about it for months. Oh, yeah. But you're infatuated with D.B. Cooper anyway, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, that's cool. We'll see if I can get that interview with Harold. Yeah. Won't that be cool? It will be. If I can make that happen. If you can do it, yep. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see, if, cool. we'll see if that materializes. I don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, we just got done with thanksgiving what did you why did you want to do this at 9 30 in the evening because this isn't our typical no like, no it's I'm not like i just got home from my mom and dad's they live an hour and 45 minutes away so i'm like ready to just put on sweatpants well you've got <laughs> on just... sweatpants and they don't know <laughs> i'm just ready to just chillax and then maybe go to bed here soon <laughs> well cool and and you know what this is not going to be one where we dissect news or anything like that okay. this is going to be a special one yeah what made me want to do this okay so this is thanksgiving right mm-hmm. and rush always had a thanksgiving program mm. where he told the real story mm-hmm. of thanksgiving and it's such a good story it's 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 100 percent the truth uh william bradford was basically the first president of the united states of america before the united states of america was the united states of america he toyed with the first protocol the first experiment in capitalism after socialism failed him and it's just a great story. Well, what happened was, so so Jess goes down to her mom and dad's a little bit earlier than what Alden and I did today. Somebody needed cornstarch, so I had the cornstarch, and I yeah, was headed so down. You yeah. go down to help cook. Yeah. Alden and I stay back like lazy bums. Uh-huh. I get him ready to go. <laughs> you laid his clothes out. And him and I head down there probably, what, two hours later? Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever it come time to leave this evening at about 630, uh, Alden and I packed up and left. Well, Jess stayed behind. So that means Alden and I got home before Jess did. What's the first thing I do? Open up TikTok. <laughs> What's and it kind of it kind of sounds like we don't spend any time with your family on on Thanksgiving, which which is sadly true. 
But my family, my family has always gathered for Thanksgiving one time a year. It's always been a tradition for us. We, we ride four wheelers, we shoot guns, we do all, just all kinds of fun stuff on Thanksgiving. And, uh, but that's the only holiday. It's the only holiday that we all get together. We don't have like a family reunion every year. And I remember I'm from Arkansas. So we typically are traveling to Arkansas every year. And when Ryan and I got married, I said, this is just what we do on Thanksgiving. This is, this is my family tradition. It's the only time that we see each other all throughout the year. Right. And we make it a priority to be together. So that's what we do. And that's why um, it sounds like we didn't spend any time with your family. So. Well, and that's why. Yeah. But yeah. my family gets extra time during Christmas. And yes. I mean, yes. and my family lives two miles down the road. So yeah. it's not that big of a deal. Well, your sisters are two hours away versus, you know, eight hours away. So exactly. that's different. Okay. Too. Yeah. So, for sure. So anyway, yeah. Alden and I leave the family get together, yeah. drive drive our hour and a half back home. Mm-hmm. Jessica ends up staying this evening for another what hour or two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when Alden and I get home, the first thing I do is open up TikTok. The first TikTok that came up. <laughs> just I'm gonna be honest with you, it just damn near brought a tear to my eye. Oh. It was forty eight eighty dusty. He did this last year. He did it again. Rush Limbaugh's real story of Thanksgiving. And it prompted me. You know, a lot of you guys didn't listen to Rush. Uh, Some of you guys are young. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know. And the younger you are, the less likely it was that you did listen to Rush. So this is for you. But this is also for anybody who didn't listen to Rush. It's also for anybody who did listen to Rush because it's great, great, great to hear his voice and the message that he constantly, it's just a drumbeat every single day of how great this nation is. And in the, in the beginnings of it, the very, very beginnings in the 1600s of the United States, way before it was the United States, well, this is when the tradition that we just celebrated today started the tradition of Thanksgiving. So, Jess, are you ready to listen to I am the real story mm-hmm. of Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. The story of the pilgrims begins in the early part of the 17th century. The Church of England under King James I was persecuting anyone and everybody who did not recognize the church's absolute civil and spiritual authority, actually the state. Now, those who challenged the ecclesiastical authority and those who believed strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down. It's in England in the 1600s. They were hunted down. They were imprisoned, sometimes executed for what they believed. So a group of separatists, people that didn't want any part of this, fled first to Holland. They liked wooden shoes and cheese. They established a community. They were there for 11 years. 
After 11 years, about 40 of these separatists who liked wooden shoes and cheese agreed to make a perilous journey to the new world. They had heard about it. Some new exciting place hadn't been developed. They knew that they were going to face hardship. Hardship like you and I don't know. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm just telling you, we don't know the hardship these people endured. We can't. We are way too advanced now. People who lived in the 1600s would not believe life today. <laughs> Try to explain flight, jet travel. They wouldn't understand it. They knew they were facing hardship. But paramount importance to them was living freely and worshiping God according to the dictates of their own consciences, their own beliefs. That's what they were denied the freedom to do in England. So, August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail. There were a total of 102 passengers, including 40 of these separatists, the pilgrims. There were just 40 of them. They were led by a man named William Bradford. Remember his name. On the journey across the Atlantic, you talk about something that had to be frightening and scary. The Mayflower was not much bigger than a 50-foot boat. 102 people on it. On the journey, William Bradford set up an agreement, a contract, if you will, that established just and equal laws for all members, all 40 members of this pilgrim community. Didn't matter what their religious beliefs were. These were the laws they were all agreeing to live by. Now, where did these laws, these ideas come from? We're talking about the Mayflower Compact is what Bradford wrote. The Mayflower Compact derived from the Bible. The pilgrims were a people completely steeped in the Bible, Old and New Testaments. They were a devoutly religious people. No matter what else is said about them, and even that is denied, they were devoutly religious. They looked to the ancient Israelites for much of their example, and because of the biblical precedent set forth in Scripture, they never doubted, because of their faith in God, that their experiment would work. They never doubted they would get to the new world. They never doubted that once they got there, they would thrive. The journey was long. It was arduous. It was dangerous. And when they finally landed, when the pilgrims finally landed in New England in November, according to William Bradford's detailed journal, they found a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. Imagine New England as it exists today as nothing but rocks, forest, undeveloped nature in November and getting colder. There were no friends to greet. There was no shelter of any kind other than what, you know, hiding under a tree. There was nothing, folks. It was desolate. 
There were no hotels. There were no inns. There were no places to clean up. There were no houses. I mean, this was real hardship. The sacrifice that they had made for the freedom to worship was just beginning. During that first winter, remember they arrive in November, during that first winter, half of them, including William Bradford's own wife, died of starvation, of sickness, exposure to the elements. Now we're getting close to what you were taught in Scruel. When spring finally came, and by the way, writing that doesn't do it justice. Spring didn't just finally came. It was a survival. It was an act of survival that you and I cannot possibly relate to or understand. American special forces can. Military people who've been trained can understand what the pilgrims were. You and I can't. We've never done anything like that first winter in the new world. They survived it. Spring finally came. They did meet the Indians, the Native Americans who were there, who did help them in planting corn and fishing for cod. They showed them where the beavers were so the beavers could be skinned for coats, other things. You animal rights people are not going to like some of this story, but it, it happened. But even at this, even, even with this degree of assistance from the Indians and Native Americans, there wasn't any prosperity yet. They had the Mayflower Compact. They had these laws they were living by, but there was no prosperity. And I wonder why. Now, this is important to understand here, folks, because this is where modern American history lessons end with the Indians teaching the pilgrims how to eat, how to fish, how to skin beavers and all that. That's where it ends. And that's the feel-good story. But that doesn't even get close to the true story. You know, Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives. It wasn't that. It That happened, but... Thanksgiving was a devout expression of gratitude. The pilgrims to God for their survival and everything that was a part of it. Now, here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract the pilgrims entered into in Holland, they had sponsors. They didn't have the money to do this trip on their own. They had sponsors. There were merchant sponsors in London and in Holland. And these merchant sponsors demanded that everything that the pilgrims produced in the New World would go into a common store. A single bank, if you will. And that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. So everybody had an equal share of whatever was in that bank. All of the land they cleared, 
all of the houses they built belonged to that bank, to the community as well. And they were going to distribute it equally because they were going to be fair. So all of the land that they cleared and all the houses they built belonged to everybody, belonged to the community, belonged to the bank, belonged to the common store. Nobody owned anything. They just had an equal share in it. It was a commune. The pilgrims established a commune, essentially. Forerunner of the communes we saw in the 60s and 70s out in California. They even had their own organic vegetables, by the way. Yep, the pilgrims, forerunners in organic vegetables. Of course, what else could there be? No such thing as processed anything back then. Now, William Bradford, who had become the governor of the colony because he was the leader, recognized that this wasn't going to work. This was costly and destructive, and it wasn't, it just wasn't working. It was collectivism. It was socialism. It wasn't working. That first winter had taken a lot of lives. The manpower was greatly reduced. So William Bradford decided to take bold action, which I will describe when we get back. William Bradford, the governor of the Pilgrim community, saw that none of this was working. The Mayflower Compact was not working. Giving everybody a single share of stock in the common store, in the common bank, was not working. Collectivism. It was, it was as costly and destructive to the pilgrims as it is and has been to anybody who has ever tried it. So, Bradford decided to scrub it. He just, he threw it out and took bold action. He assigned a plot of land to each family. Every family was given a plot of land. They could work it, manage it, however they wanted to. If they just wanted to sit on it, get fat, dumb, happy, and lazy, they could. If they wanted to develop it, if they wanted to grow corn, whatever on it, they could. If they wanted to build on it, they could do that. If they wanted to turn it into a, a quasi-business, they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. He turned loose the power of the capitalist marketplace. Long before Karl Marx was even born, long before Karl Marx was a sperm cell in his father's dreams, the pilgrims had discovered and experimented with what could only be described as socialism, and they found that it didn't work. Now, it wasn't called that then, but that's exactly what it was. Everybody was given an equal share. And you know what happened? Nobody did anything. There was no, there was no incentive. Nothing worked. Nothing happened. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive to work any harder than anybody else did. Unless they could utilize the power of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world's been experimenting with socialism for over a hundred years longer now, trying to refine it, perfect it, reinvent it, the pilgrims decided early on to scrap it permanently. What Bradford wrote 
about this experiment should be in every school child's history lesson. If it were, we might prevent so much suffering. We might have prevented this election if the true story of Thanksgiving had been taught for years and years and years. And I'll tell you what Bradford wrote and how they fixed it when we get back after this. So William Bradford, after putting everybody in a common store, the Mayflower Compact, they wanted to be fair. They wanted everybody to have one common share of stock and everything that happened that the pilgrims produced, and it bombed. It didn't work. There was no prosperity. There was no creativity because there was no incentive. Here's what Bradford wrote about the failure. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent. They were not happy, in other words. This community was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. In other words, nobody worked. The way they set it up killed and discouraged work. There was no need. For young men that were most able and fit for labor and service, sat around and did nothing, should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without being paid for it. They said, why do that? So they didn't. It was thought to be injustice. Why should you work for other people when you can't work for yourself? What's the point? So you hear what he was saying here, folks? The pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without some incentive. So what did they try? What did Bradford's pilgrim community try next? They unharnished the power of free enterprise. They invoked capitalism, the principle of private property, all the way back in the 16, 1400s. 16, I mean, it was incredible. Every family was assigned its own plot of land, and they could do with it whatever they wanted to do. Bradford wrote, this had very good success, for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. So when profit was introduced, when the opportunity to prosper was introduced, it went gangbusters. That, my friends, is the essence of the true story of Thanksgiving. This is where it gets really good. If you're laboring under the misconception that I was, that I was taught in school, they, they set up trading posts, they exchanged goods with the Indians after they had enjoyed this prosperity. It was not the Indians that brought them prosperity, and it, it's not said to insult anybody. The Indians assisted them on their arrival, undeniably. But what led to prosperity for these original settlers was a discovery that the common store failed. Socialism didn't work when they introduced what turns out to be capitalism. They didn't have the name for it, but when they turned loose individual incentive, keep what you produce, sell what you don't need, they went crazy. This is not something they were taught by anybody but self-experience. It was not the Indians. None of this is said to put anybody down. Don't misunderstand. The Indians did a lot of things that helped them, which I'll get to in just a second. But 
It was their own industriousness. They set up trading posts. They exchanged goods with the Indians. They sold stuff to them. And those profits allowed them to pay off the debts of their sponsors in London and in Holland. And you know what? The success of that colony, after they had abandoned socialism and tried what was essentially capitalism, the word spread throughout the old world of this massive amount of prosperity that was there for the taking in the new world. And guess what happened? The new world was flooded with new arrivals. The success and the prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. And all it took was prosperity. And the word spreading across the Atlantic Ocean of how there, mo there was prosperity and, and it was there for the taking. All you had to do was get there and give it a shot. The lesson is, the true story of Thanksgiving is, that William Bradford and his pilgrim community were thanking God for the blessings on their community after the first miserable winter of a documented failure brought on by their attempt at fairness and equality, which was socialism. It didn't work. Only when they abandoned it did it work. And I need to say again, because I don't, I don't want people to be misunderstood, get noses out of joint. The Native Americans, the indigenous peoples, the Indians, whatever you want to call them, they were of considerable assistance and they were friendly when the pilgrims arrived, but they had little, if anything, to do with the prosperity that occurred because that was the result of Bradford and the pilgrim leadership deciding to change their structure according to the Mayflower Compact. Now, the Indians assisted, naturally, can't deny it. I mean, they taught them how to fish and this kind of thing that they didn't know how to do, and that led them to be productive, undeniably so. But it was the pilgrim community itself which experienced this massive prosperity, the word of which spread all the way back to the old world Europe across the Atlantic Ocean. Now... I mentioned earlier that uh, the Federalist has a story on all this. And in it, they describe much of what we did in the second book that dealt with this, the children's book, uh, Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. And that book goes into great detail f about how the Indians did provide assistance and what kind of assistance it was, how valuable it was, and how crucial it was. And in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims, we focus on a Native American by the name of Squanto. Now, as I told you, during that first winter, 1620, only 44 of the original 102 pilgrims survived. 
They had an elected governor by the name of John Carver. And it was an Indian by the name of Squanto who came to their rescue. And this is, as I say, explored in great detail in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. Now, Squanto uh, was no ordinary native. Early settlers in 1610 captured him and sold him into slavery. A group of Catholic friars ended up freeing him, brought him to England where he learned to speak English in 1618. Serving as an interpreter on an English ship, he was brought back to the New World. It was Squanto, who is a famous Native American in his own right in the Pilgrim story. It was Squanto who taught the Pilgrims how to plant, how to fish, how to skin beavers. It was Squanto who brokered a peace treaty between the Pilgrims and other Indian tribes. There was more than one tribe of Indians. It was not copacetic. It was not friendly and at one with nature. It was not anything like the multiculturalists would have you believe. There were squabbles, there were power struggles, turf battles, it was human. The Indians, the Pilgrims, everybody was scrambling for power, for survival. Survivability was the name of the game, and it was not guaranteed. Now, many of the pilgrims literally believed that God had sent Squanto to save them. And they believe, pilgrims believe that without Squanto, they never would have survived or thrived. And they, they experienced a tremendous harvest in 1621 and that's the big gathering that is taught in the history books the native indians and the pilgrims joined together for a huge feast which is the foundational story of the thanksgiving story that's taught in public schools but again that is not the real story of Thanksgiving. That's the textbook brain. It did happen, but it's so much more than that. And I, I love taking the opportunity every year to explain the truth, especially now given how this election has apparently allegedly fallen out. Because even as the Federalist side, this is so great that the story is spreading. One of the most important legacies of the early settlers is that they experimented with socialism in the 1620s and it did not work. Private property rights, personal responsibility, saved the Plymouth colony from extinction and laid the economic foundation for the free and prosperous nation that we all enjoy today. And that is exactly right. And that is the true story of Thanksgiving, and that has been what we have shared with you every Thanksgiving for the past 31 years. What do you think about that? It's good. 31 years. And I That's don't know a that long time. That's a long time to share that story. It is. Every year. And, you know, I didn't listen to it all 31 years because the mm -hmm. first year of the 31, I was still pretty little. I mean, I was probably like nine. Had no idea. My dad, I'm sure he probably listened to all 31 of them, you know. It is 
listening to Rush, for the way certain parts of the media portrayed him, was he not just awesome? He had such a such a gift to like shed light on. You know, in the beginning of his his story, he said they went through extremes that we wouldn't even be able to fathom because things are so fast now. Oh we, yeah, I mean we've just got life is so easy now for us. It is so. It is. Yeah, yeah. Those those people in the 1600s. Can you do you? What would you think they would think? Well, they. Okay, we're sitting here talking into these microphones. Mm-hmm. This message right here is going to go out to thousands of people. They're going to hear it. In an instant. In an instant. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to put post. Yeah. And and boom, a bunch of phones are going to light up saying, hey, this guy just dropped another podcast. Right, right. These people, they had no idea what a telephone was. They had no idea what... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, just think about how easy a turkey is to get access of today. You know, yeah, a turkey to have on Thanksgiving or bread. You don't have to go out and yeah, a potato. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just you you think about how easy it is and how easy we've got it. You think about this house is warm tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit a button. You hit a button, mm-hmm. and. Heat starts coming out of vents, and we're warm. We're dry. I can't imagine being on the Mayflower after a August, September, October, a four-month journey. You started with 101 people. You ended up with 42. Mm. It's not like whenever they got on the Mayflower, they were on a uh, Carnival cruise line. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. I, so much to be thankful for that we take advantage of. You know, we take it for is granted. so easy to take everything for granted. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. And these people boarded that ship with nothing more than their faith in God. That God was going to be the one that, that delivered them. And a lot of them didn't make it. Hell, Bradford's wife didn't make it. Can you believe that? I, I just... What would you say? <laughs> I'd like to know how that conversation went whenever they were in Europe getting ready to leave. Honey, <laughs> we're leaving. Where are we going? This place that Christopher Columbus discovered 100 years ago. <laughs> we're going to go over there and just try our luck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's the other thing, too. They had reason to do it. Their place was so awful where they were from. They had reason to leave it, to, to risk everything, risk their life. Go on a four-month trip in a, in a basically wooden shoe floating across the Atlantic Ocean. They made it. And, well, they made it. Some of them made it. But that right there, I felt was very important to share with all of you. Because Rush is, we're coming up on his two-year death, two-year anniversary of his death in February. And uh, I didn't hear that for the first time last year because he was gone. And thank you, 4880 Dusty, for putting that TikTok up that jarred my memory and made me think I have got to get this in a podcast 
So, well, my wife is yawning because now it's what? Let's see. <laughs> 10 o'clock. <laughs> you called me out. <laughs> I, I did. Thank you. Oh, but go Thank on ahead you. and say it's 11 o'clock on old time and you're just not adjusted to the time change. Man, three or four that, weeks that ago. excuse is getting old. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> that is the excuse I'm giving Jess every night when I'm falling asleep in the recliner yeah. at 830 now that harvest is over. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> well, guys, we hope you enjoyed it. We will not more than likely be here tomorrow, which is Friday, which is when we generally try to do the podcast. We will try to be here Sunday, but I knew we had a couple specials coming up here, so. I wanted to uh, take last Sunday off. Yeah. You know, but be thankful. Just that's, that's what I ask is, is every, each and every one of you, no matter what socioeconomic status you might be sitting in, if, if you had food today and you have a way to move around uh, transportation, you got a roof over your head, hot ki- water, hot water, you're kicking ass compared to family a, members, a lot of this world. Mm-hmm. So just be thankful for what you do have. And uh, Jess and I are super thankful for you guys. Yeah. Tuning yeah. in and listening every week. We're we're also coming up on a year on the we on are. the podcast. So this we has are been very quickly. This has been great. I I mean fun, really fun. Oh, it is totally fun. It's fun for like I would say our marriage. That's fun. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you get to do this every week. Yeah, yeah, and we and we talk like we would talk if we were sitting in both of our recliners just looking at each other right you know that's, that's just, kind of what we do <laughs> it's just kind of how we talk it's the truth yeah so, so it's easy but it's it, fun it's fun and we're just we're thankful for everything and thank mm-hmm. you all the glory goes to god amen that's yeah. that's all there is to it so amen yeah. folks i hope you guys had a wonderful thanksgiving and we will see you very very soon Leah Thomas is still a boy. You were born an American. Don't forget to be one. Jesus Christ is still our Savior. Amen. We will see you Sunday, y'all. Adios. Adios.